This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 18th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man specializing in prehistoric interior design, Jerem Jordan. No, it's very niche, uh, but I'm just making straight cash. Absolutely. No, I'm not. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who was on the 1990 Miami team that lost to BYU, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was on the Manning cast for Monday Night Football, a playoff game. ESPN, the deuce, ESPN 2. He had a massive uh, T-Rex skull <laughs> in his house. It's like, what is this? And then you realize, oh, he's The Rock. He can do anything. He can just whatever. It was very unique. To have a just and it's like <laughs> massive, just behind him. It was crazy. He can buy anything he wants at this point. So he probably it, bought yes. the biggest T Rex skull from the most famous museum. He has that type of money. Well, I wonder if it was a prop from maybe a movie <clears throat> set, Jumanji Two or something. <laughs> you know, who knows? But it was probably real. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he own all of the Smithsonian's in Washington D.C. <laughs> at this point? He does? I, I don't know. Oh, because he's rich? Yeah. Oh. Just knows are government owned, money, but uh, yeah. Money is no uh, object. But for fun fact. Dwayne fun fact. Most of the Smithsonian's close at like four or five. If you so, want to so, get your history so, in D.C., get there yeah, early. Like in 2012, I'm in D.C. with the company here, uh, getting some training on ENPS, some software we use to time out shows and produce and whatever. And like we finish at like five and we go out and like nothing's open. It was it was rough. That is rough. It was rough. It's time for you to take a trip back to the, DC. So we took a little night bus tour and whatever. <laughs> it was great. Hey, The Rock, yeah, he had the T-Rex skull. We don't have one of those in the studio, but we do have a prehistoric photo of Greg Rubel from middle school. <laughs> and yeah, uh, you can take that, Dwayne. And as Jaron mentioned, BYU beat Miami in 1990, right? Yeah, Got take that, that man. <laughs> we also have a fantastic show lineup, including NFL wide receiver Dax Milne. It's Jersey week for me, I've decided. It's Jersey. Well, let me know next time, yeah. and uh, I'll join you, you know? Uh, I'm rocking one of the only acceptable shades of red in this studio. It's it's burgundy. and it's Yeah, it, I wouldn't call that red at all. It's burgundy, no. right? Yeah, it's not red. <laughs> it's not red at all. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's more brown than red to me. Okay. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm in the clear. Well, yeah, and it's not Utah red. Come on. How would Dax Milne sum up his rookie season? Again, he'll join us live, plus BYU basketball senior point guard on the women's side, Maria Albiero, on what makes this team so uniquely good and what's the standard of success for BYU football moving forward after back-to-back 10-plus win seasons. Adjust your blue goggles, people. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football has the spring football schedule out now. Which is this, BYU will practice February 28th through March 25th. Awesome. The pro day on that last day on March 25th. Oh, Tyler Algier going to make some money and some other Yeah, man. Also, Campbell Barrington is a Football Writers Association freshman All-American. Congrats. Good for Campbell. Sir Campbell Barrington. Yeah, how does his brother feel about that? It's probably like, hey, uh, it's good for him to uh, get an award. (laughs) Uh, It's great. (laughs) I kid. No brotherly rivalry uh, there that, that we know of. BYU men's basketball moves to an eight seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. They currently have five wins over teams in the projected field. 
Lenardi still has four West Coast Conference teams in his bracket. St. Mary, San Francisco, both 10 seeds. Gonzaga as a clear number one seed. The Cougars will host San Diego Thursday, 9 Eastern. You can watch that live on BYU TV thanks to some COVID rescheduling. Thanks to CBS Sports Network going doing the Gonzaga game. Fred Warner tweeted the following after an ankle injury Sunday and the Niners win against the Cowboys. Sorry for the scare yesterday, everyone. I appreciate everyone showing love and support for me and the fellas. We'll be good to go. Huge win under the... There Let's you go. go, Freddie. NFL Network's Ian Rapport says it was a re-aggravation of an earlier right ankle injury. So hopefully we'll see Fred out there this weekend. BYU women's basketball moves up one spot to number 17 in the new Associated Press poll, one spot shy of their program best ranking of number 16. The ladies coming off a week in which they won two games by an average of 41 points. Cougars travel to Pepperdine on Thursday, 10 Eastern. They'll be a heavy favorite, and they are a four seed in Charlie Cream's women's bracketology, mm. which if that holds, BYU would be hosting the first two rounds in the Marriott Center. That'd be dope. Let's go. Men's volleyball ranked 10th in the ABCA Coach Bowl, dropping three spots. Cougars host number 13, UC Irvine, Friday and Saturday. Friday's on BYU TV. Saturday is on the BYU TV app. BYU women's tennis and coach Holly Hassler busy over the weekend competing in the Bella the Ball Invitational in Las Vegas. Ooh. We did not receive an invitation. Yeah, what that. the heck? The Cougars beat number 11 Baylor on Saturday, okay. winning four matches to three, then dropped a head-to-head duel against Illinois 5-2. to two. The team will travel to Washington this week, take on Washington State on Friday, and then the Huskies of Washington on Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. And if you don't know already, you should learn more about BYU football's back-to-back 10-plus win seasons. 11 in 2020, 10 against a upgraded schedule in 2021, and both of those teams finished in the final top 20 of the Associated Press poll, this after BYU had not finished in any AP poll since all the way back in 2009. So Then Kalani. And they did. Again. Jerem, did BYU overachieve the last two seasons? Or have you reached a point where you are now expecting, gulp, 10 wins again next season? No, that's laughable. No. Winning 10 is special, especially when you're going to play that tough of a schedule, right? Um, it was an overachievement in a good way. A lot of people want to act like an overachievement some negative thing. No, it means you did better than was expected. It's okay to not expect the world sometimes, okay? Here at BYU, the best and worst thing that ever happened to Cougar football was winning the national championship. The best thing is obvious. You won the national championship. The worst thing is that you think it's still possible. Um, well, why is it about – because it's – 2022, and it's not 1984, right? Getting to a New Year's Six game is the top of the mountain. I, I, I think that's that would be an incredible accomplishment if and when in the future BYU does that as a member of the Big 12. You know, that'd be great. So it was an overachievement. Now, we can quantify this. Bill Connolly, who's like, if you think I'm nerdy, this guy's nerdy. Uh, love Bill. He, he says, biggest positive difference between win total and second order wins. Basically, like, he said post- game expectancy, and then he has some metric that I don't even understand. Anyway, he's saying who overachieved. He had BYU at ninth at plus 1.9. Remember how I felt like, eh, it was probably two games. He says 1.9. That's spot on to what I was saying. He said uh, he was expecting BYU to be, you know, uh, 10 and, uh, you know, BYU finished 10 and 2. 
was projected to be eight and one, uh, eight point one uh, wins. Wins. So eight so and four plus two, which is plus one point nine, which is great. It was awesome. Again, BYU overachieved by doing some things that were better than we thought. Jaron Hall was better than we thought. Tyler Algier was incredible. BYU took care of the ball defensively, got some takeaways, didn't turn it over a ton. It helped that the Pac-12 wasn't super great, right? Um, all these things played into where BYU had an open door to walk through for 10 wins. The door was open for 11. BYU didn't walk through it in the bowl game, unfortunately, with UAB and banged up and blah, blah, blah. It was awesome, man. Uh, BYU overachieved. Now, I do not expect to win 10 games again next year. Mm. I, w- I-, I would love nine. I think nine is a nice number right Does there. that include a bowl game win? Or are we talking regular season only? Yeah, I guess we don't know what bowl game. So uh, regular season, um, yeah, I think nine and three would be pretty good. Yeah, nine That's, and three, nine like, and three like, would be fantastic like, yeah. in the regular season. Yeah, and I, a shot at 10 wins with a bowl game? I don't need BYU to win 10 every year. I, like, I need BYU to win 10, you know. Once out of every four years. But I do need BYU to make a bowl game every year. And if you don't make a bowl game, that you rise from the ashes. Now, do we feel like BYU had to have 2017-4-9 to get 2020 and 21? Sometimes that's the case. It isn't always the case. But sometimes a forest needs to be burned down by lightning to regenerate itself. That's nature's reset button, right? I'm not talking where someone actually starts a forest fire. That's illegal and terrible. I'm talking when lightning strikes in a forest and it burns it down, it resets the cycle of that space, and now it becomes even better than maybe it was before. Did that happen from 2017 with 20 and 21? I'm not sure, but let's be honest. In uh, 2019, we always two and four and staring down the barrel of maybe no Kalani's talking, maybe pushing the reset button. Boom. Aaron Roderick starts calling the plays, and BYU takes off, man. Here's why I believe BYU will win 10 games next year. Oh, snap. And I'm including... A bowl game here. I think Some BYU game, yeah. will win whatever bowl game they go to, assuming that they're not the walking wounded and yeah. they don't have to be relegated to right. play in the independent bowl, say, which they are not slated to play in next season. I was going to say, BYU's lost two or three bowl games. It's, they're no, a it's bowl a game gimme. free agent, according to ESPN, this upcoming season. BYU's lost two G5 opponent bowl games of the last three. <sighs> so, like, it's no guarantee that you win that game. You know. Here's why I think BYU will win 10 games. You look at the schedule and you say, Whoa, it is absolutely loaded. After the game at South Florida, which BYU will be an obvious favorite to win in Tampa, even though BYU as a team has not been great in the state of Florida. They got rid of that curse to the Boca Raton Bowl. You just got to play crappier teams. Okay. South Florida, not great. But then BYU takes on the likes of Oregon and Arkansas and later Notre Dame. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah, Baylor. Baylor at home. Baylor's going to be a very different team. They are – Uber talented, but they will lose the gist of that uber talent to the NFL. Rightfully so. Those guys have earned it. They won the Sugar Bowl. They won the Big 12. A lot of those guys are going to leave the program. And Baylor has to come to Provo. So I like BYU's chances in that game in their home digs. Oregon has a brand new head coach. And they're dealing with some transition. That has typically fared well for BYU in the past. So I don't think going to Autzen Stadium and playing against Oregon is out of the realm of possibilities of BYU winning that game. Arkansas is in some trouble. There's some scandal surrounding that program now after some recent revelations on social media. That's every SEC team every year. Are they going to be dealing with a scenario where a bunch of players are suspended? Uh, the coaching staff, recruiting maybe, is messed up, maybe scholarships are taken away. <laughs> Who knows? It's like game Who knows? seven. They'll be all right. And they've got to come to Provo. SEC yeah. teams 
typically don't have to travel this far. They're coming to Provo. Notre Dame is a unique challenge in Las Vegas. That's going to be an amazing game. Notre Dame's going to be really good again. Yeah. Like, Notre, so, Dame's, Notre Dame's always good, and this isn't a New Year's Six game, so they have a chance to win. <laughs> a shot fired. They're, they're terrible in that. I would love to be Notre Dame, don't get me wrong, and sure. like, go to New Year's Six games. I'm not saying BYU's better oh, than I Notre follow, Dame. BYU's I follow. not. Like, I wish BYU was Notre Dame. I look at the fifth Power 5 game that BYU plays next year at Stanford. Stanford is not in a great place right yeah, now. It's going to take a while for that program to build back up and become what they they hope were once in the Pac-12. BYU played a couple of those kind of games this last year. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. BYU's been there. They have yeah. experienced this. They bring back a ton of talent and experience on the offensive side of the ball. We hope that they will be much more healthy on the defensive side of the ball and bring back that experience. But, Jerem, just based on the continuity of what BYU has at the core, on offense especially, and then defense getting healthier, you extend your coach, you've been through a gauntlet Power 5 schedule, you won 10 games, so the belief is there. The culture and the belief are there. It's there. So Mm -hmm. I feel like you say 9-3, and it's like, wow, 9-3 and against that schedule? Yes. That'd be nice. 9-3 and is going to happen against that schedule. And it might be 10 wins. It might be 10 because That's a really BYU high end, is in yeah. a unique position that we, or I rather, just presented. So, strangely, I am expecting 10 wins if you throw in the bowl game. I think BYU is going to win their bowl game, that they'll have an opportunity to do so Hopefully. as a free agent. But 10 wins, 10 and 3, including a bowl game, is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. BYU is a good, experienced team that brings back a veteran, really talented quarterback. That is worth a lot. Yes. Uh, not having Tyler Algier also worth not a lot, uh, which is which is rough. So BYU's got to replace that. That that's a huge the the biggest question mark. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Is I'd, it Christopher Brooks? I'd take is he a I'd thousand take, yard uh, rusher. Is it Chris Brooks or is it Christopher Brooks? That's the question we'll debate coming. Up. <laughs> yeah, ni- listen, nine and three plus. Oh, that'd be great. Our question of the day: We want you to answer what I just asked, Jerem. Did BYU overachieve the last two seasons, or do you expect 10 wins again next season? 10 again. It's crazy. Expect it's crazy, is different but... than hope. Like, expect is like, this needs to happen, or I that wasn't enough. You know what I mean? That's to me what expect is. And it's like, yeah, it's expect is probably A+. Plus. You know, There's a real possibility nice. that BYU could do it again. Oh, totally. They could do it again? Yes. BYU just needs uh, one of the keys is BYU needs some of these good teams to not be as good. That's part of the deal. Like if all those teams are as good as they were last year, BYU's going two and two or one and two. And that's why I just lined up why I don't believe those teams will be as good as they were last year. The sad reality is, in order for BYU to get a uh, like a real big win, especially on the road, is that team doesn't need can't be as good as we thought probably, and BYU's got to be better. That's the reality. Like BYU beating Utah at home, number twelve. That was the fourth best win by final AP rank ever. Like, that was a massive win. You know what I mean? BYU had some really nice wins in 2021. Well, well that one was the best. That's what I'm saying. That's sure. Top of the mind. The okay. rest of those teams aren't top 25 or anything, you know? Let's hear Well, Utah State is top 25, right? Besides Utah State. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the Power 5. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Jake Welch adds this on Twitter, calling it a mild take. The 2022 version of BYU football could be the best of the last three years, yep. but with a tougher schedule, the record will be 
worse. Like, let's say Baylor, Oregon, and Notre Dame all finish top 25. We're hoping for, realistically, we're hoping for one win out of those three. If they're actually all top 25. But listen, I mean? Oregon can finish top 25 and not be worthy of top 25. We've learned this. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, if they, if they win at top five somebody early, that's the Ohio State win carried a ton of weight. And it should. They won the Rose Bowl. Like, that was a great win. But then Utah blew them <laughs> Coming up, is it enough for BYU Hoops to win this week? And former BYU football star, a man who rose from the ashes and was overlooked, no longer overlooked, Washington football team receiver Dax Millen joins the program. This is BYU Sports Nation. We're recapping rookies again. Yeah. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as we recap the big win at San Francisco, ignore the Gonzaga game, and get a double dose of Foose in the film room and his deep blue as we explore his story as a Muslim at BYU thousands of miles away from home in Mali, but still feeling at home in pro. Can't miss television and radio, media in general. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is time that we welcome in our first guest. And yes, the reason that I am rocking the number 15 Washington football team jersey today. His name is Dax Milne, second-to-last pick in the NFL draft, but you better believe he made that roster. Dax, great to talk to you, man. Congratulations on uh, making making your way through the rookie season. Appreciate it. It means a lot. Hair's looking good, bro. Did you use a little extra product this morning? Hey. Looking nice, dude. Hey, it does what it wants. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your rookie season. Uh, now that you've had some time to kind of reflect on it, how do you feel do like it. you grew the most as an NFL player from day one in camp to where you are now? Man, good question. Um, you know, coming out of college, you kind of feel like you know a lot. They're kind of everything about football and then day one hits the training camp and you realize wow I know nothing (laughs) so I think um I just took huge steps as far as just uh knowledge of the game um how to how to be a professional on and off the field um and then you know I was able to learn from one of the top receivers in the in the league Terry McLaurin um so little techniques he does and it was a great experience overall was learning the playbook for Washington harder than any class you took at BYU? Let me tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, uh, some classes at BYU are tough, but dang, I found myself studying two hours a night, you know, during those training camp days and then having to, and then it's just a test the next day. You got to recall it like that. It was insane. Give me a sense of like how many plays you'd have to memorize and how many variations off of things. Um, let's see. Each day um, when we didn't have a new install, um, I'd say we'd have to memorize, I don't know, 10 new formations and then five to 10 new runs and then five to 10 new pass plays. And then you got to be able to be in different positions at least for me i had to play inside and outside so it was tough i can't lie and was that is that like every week on tuesday and wednesday like what are we talking about 
yeah. And then during the, during the real season, um, yeah, every, every Wednesday we'd come back and, um, you know, start talking about our, our installs for the, for the next opponent and talk about what they do. But I, during the season, it was a lot easier just because we already knew everything and it was just small adjustments here and there. Um, when he put stuff in, so. The well-studied Dax Milne is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I hope you have a break from the playbook for at least a little while to give your mind some time to reset. Dax, you shared with me offline the story of how you found out you made the 53-man roster, and it's fantastic. And so, if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to tell all of BYU Sports Nation how you found out that you were part of the Washington football team. Sure. Um, so yeah, as you guys could imagine, it was, it was a very, you know, suspenseful. I was nervous. Um, so I was expecting a, a call or, or someone to tell me to come in the office and, um, didn't receive any, anything of that kind. And so I just assumed to just show up at the meeting that we had scheduled and, um, you know, I'm sitting there in the meeting and coach Ron Rivera gets up and he starts talking and kind of just like a normal day. And then he, he said the words, well, this is it boys. This is our 53. Uh, this is what we're going to start with. And, you know, there's a ton of guys in the room that just, of course, are on 53. But for me, I was trying to just keep it cool. Like <laughs> just looking around, uh, you know, like <laughs> I wanted to just stand up and scream like, let's go, you know? Um, so I just, I kept it cool until after the meeting and I was able to just, you know, text some friends and family like, Hey, made the 53. So it was a, it was a fun day for me. Was it hard to keep it all in right there? Cause you're surrounded by all these pros and you don't want to be the rookie. That's like, you know, making a scene or whatever. Was it hard right. to just keep it all in? Right. You... Yes. Absolutely. I could not <laughs> like, I was for sure smiling. I don't, I don't know who was looking at me, but I was for sure smiling. Oh, I love that story. Okay, well, now you're no longer a rookie. Uh, you push into year two. So how have your expectations shifted for what you are going to do and what you're capable of accomplishing with Washington? Yeah, I've, I've had some good uh, talks with Coach Rivera and my wide receivers coach. Um, I'm hoping to, for sure, just take a big step in as far as my role. Um, there's multiple times that Coach kind of pulled me aside and said, um, you're going to get your opportunity. We, we believe in you. We think you have a very bright future. Um, but just right now, uh, we just want you to learn and, and uh, kind of take everything in um, behind these guys that we have now. And so that's what I did. And um, you know, wholeheartedly, I believe I can come back and, and uh, have a major role and uh, do well with it. Was there a point in the season – where you felt like, hey, I fit in here, like I'm totally good enough? Or maybe you felt that before you even got to Washington. Who knows? No, yeah, uh, good question. For me, I got to be honest, going in uh, training camp and I guess the first couple of weeks of um, everything starting, I didn't, I kind of just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, I don't know what that was due to just being, being the rookie and, and just everything being new. Um, it, yeah. And then it wasn't until, you know, first couple of weeks of actually playing in a game. And I realized like, man, you know, they all, they all put on cleats too. Like is everyone's, it's not that much different. Like I can play with these dudes and, and I can perform. Um, 
So I think once, once my mindset about that changed, um, I just had a lot more confidence. So we talked to your good friend, Zach Wilson, a few days ago about the experience he felt was most like, whoa. And one of those moments, understandably, was watching on the other sideline Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski compete against him when he's half of Tom Brady's age as the other starting quarterback. Dax, what, what yeah. moment was that for you where you were just like, whoa, here we are, and these are guys I grew up watching, and now I'm playing against them? Yeah. Um, well, for starters, when I saw Tom myself, yeah, he just had a glow on around him. Yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember. Um, I always loved to just you know when when our defense was on the field, I loved to just have a front row seat at the top receivers that were that we were playing. Um, and I remember seeing guys like Keenan Allen and, and Stephon Diggs the guys that I always watch, you know, videos of and, and try to learn from, they were just right there in person. And, uh, I even made eye contact with Stefan Diggs as he like, as he made a catch and he jogged back. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is crazy. You're getting paid to be there though, which is pretty cool. The rest of us have to pay <laughs> to just watch. Yeah. But, so before yeah. the game or after the game, are you trying, are you trying to play it cool and walk up to some of these guys and talk to them? Um, to have that experience because you belong, you're on the team, but you're also like the rookie and you don't want to like impose where you're yeah. not supposed to or whatever. Right. Yeah, no, uh, me personally, I, I decided to take the back road and just, I'm going to wait until I, you know, a little bit bigger name so I can say what's up to these, these top dogs. Um, if I knew someone on the other team, I'd for sure go say hi, but maybe next year I'll go talk to big, Fair guys, big guys. And you played against a bunch of uh, former BYU guys, several of which were your teammates, and you took pictures and you know swapped jerseys, I think, with Brady mm -hmm. Christensen and whatnot. So what was it like to see those guys and compete in the NFL where it's like, hey, we made it. This is cool. Yeah, it was so cool seeing Brady um, and Harvey Longy in the preseason. Um, as a Bingham guy. Talking after the game. Yeah, yeah, and as, as a Bingham guy too. Um, yeah, talking after the game just kind of looking around with each other, just saying, man, like who would have thought, you know, you know, starting that, uh, 2020 season that, you know, we'd be here talking, um, in North Carolina, uh, and it was fun just to congratulate each other and, and I wish each other the best, but he, he did great. Dax Milne, second year receiver now for the Washington football team with us on BYU sports nation. And Dax, maybe you've already shared with us your favorite moment from your rookie season, but in a game scenario, if you had to pick a favorite play or a favorite moment, what would it be from year one? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, favorite moment for me was at Lambeau Field, um, just because it's such a cool atmosphere. Uh, the fans get so into it. Um, seeing Aaron Rodgers and, and all those other guys, uh, that was when I was a moment where I kind of decided to just sit back and take it in for a sec. Um, and then favorite play for me, gotta be my toe drag. I don't know. Yeah. Just, pretty good. I yeah. <laughs> uh, finally uh, got a little, got a pass and I you know, did a little, 
little toe drag, something light. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, with, with the with Lambeau Field, did you like hit squats a little harder that week just in case there were some Washington fans maybe tucked in the corner and you kind of touchdown pass and maybe you had the chance? Right? <laughs> it uh, crossed the mind. I can't even lie to you. It crossed the mind. <laughs> it had to, right? That's awesome, man. Yeah. What, was was there a moment where you were like caught up to the speed of the game? Everyone talks about, ah, oh, it's so much faster. Was there a moment where you're like, okay, I understand the speed, I can hang with the speed, or is that still a work in progress? Nah, the speed for me, uh, the speed of it kind of didn't change much from college. Like everyone's, mm. everyone's fast. Um, I think it's just as far as um, reading when defenses read what you're doing, um, they do that a lot faster. So um, it didn't take me too long to kind of adjust to what what the NFL was like as far as speed. Dex, one of your close friends at BYU decided to come back for another year, Gunnar Romney. He obviously has NFL aspirations. What advice would you give to him as he takes on one more year in Provo and then wants to make the transition into the National Football League? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think Gunnar's going to have a, a solid year. Um, I know I, I tell him, and I will tell him, just, just to have fun with it. Um, you know, playing at BYU is something special, and I, he knows that. Um, but yeah, just just to have fun with it. Um, try to try to help uh, these younger guys as much as you can, um, and just focus on getting better. It's it, he has a great great coach, um, Kalani and Fessy, and I'm sure he'll he'll take big steps into the his future. So. Dax, great to talk to you. I want you to know, I don't fanboy often, but for my guy, <laughs> you know I was rocking the number 15 Washington football team jersey today, right? I love it. Let's go, man. <laughs> you know, you know I got you. I got you. <laughs> I love it. Dax, thanks for hanging out, brother. Enjoy some time off, and uh, we'll get on the link soon. Let's do it. Appreciate you guys. Dax Milne, second-year receiver, Washington Dax football Milne, team man. with us on BYU Sports Nation. So cool that he – so we've talked about this. Like when someone leaves early from BYU, we want them to be super successful to almost validate why they left. They can leave for whatever reason they want. Like, but as, as fans or whatever you feel – like when Eric Mika left, it was like, oh, he wasn't even drafted. What was the point of that? You know what I mean? Like I, I get it, but he's leaving for his reasons, and he's been successful. Dex Milne goes and makes the 53s in the league, right? Like, he, he, whether that matters to you or not, like, he made that. Now the dude's making, like, 800 Gs, so it's working out. Well-deserved. That dude yeah. has worked so hard. Yes. Walk on at BYU. He was? I'm just kidding. Now he's in the NFL. That's awesome, man. He's, he's crushing it. Underappreciate this. <laughs> yeah. Well, st- still. Still fighting, right? Still fighting. <laughs> Coming up, Hoops guard Maria Albiero. The Cougars' incredible season so far. Vamos la! And is BYU football being discredited in a 2022 ranking? Scoff! We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. Get riled up on January 18th. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk. Enabling global trade for a growing world. Join us Thursday for a matchup of second-place West Coast Conference teams as the men's basketball team of San Diego with Canada tip-off 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV. And there is the picture of Greg Bell on the set. He's like 12 <laughs> years old wearing his grandma's glasses. It's fantastic. That's not Dwight Schrute. That's Greg Bell.
is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation. We love Greg so much. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. The Athletic ranks BYU the third best group of five teams going into the next football season behind Cincinnati and Houston. Is this an insult? It shouldn't be, but I kind of take it as an insult. Not so much third behind those teams because those are two oh. really good programs. It's yeah. about BYU being kind of in that group of five category. I feel like BYU's in a unique category. They're not a group of five, and they're not power five. They'll just be off the list. Yeah, yeah. so just keep them off the list. There's not a group of five team. It's not an insult. I just think it's naive. Yeah, okay. Uh, on the BYU basketball beat, Jerem, they're two spots out of the top 25. Yeah. But their metrics in the Ken Palm, the net rankings, bracketology, all pretty good. So this week, with two teams they should beat up on, yep. San Diego and Portland on the schedule, is it enough for BYU to just win this week against USD and Portland? No, you got to win convincingly. San Diego is improved for sure. They've won six of the last eight, but 94% win chance and 97 against Portland, according to Ken Palm. 17 and 21 margins. Yeah, no, win by 15 plus. Yeah. I think that's fair. Win by 15 plus. Yeah. Win convincingly. Whatever you think convincingly is. And we well, think six probably, isn't convincing. Nine it's, it's isn't at convincing. least double figures, yeah, right? At, at least. least double figures. Teams are bad, though. Let's go. Which method do you prefer the grind amount <laughs> close games from the men's hoops team or the win by 40 <laughs> mentality of the women's? I can, because you have a choice how you I win. I can tell you that my <laughs> heart and my indigestion certainly prefer the BYU women's version of uh, ending things early in the game and coasting to victory but man the excitement of the grind them out close going games, down 10 BYU wins at San Francisco that is a really fun dynamic it's it's fun but it's really hard on your emotions and your stress so I'd probably lean towards nice easy wins primarily yeah I guess we just have to care less you know that's hard if to you do. right if you're feeling too much emotion Perhaps consider caring less. It's hard to do. It's very hard. When we host this show. That's what my wife says sometimes. She's like, why do you care so much about that? I'm like, good point. We host the Coming daily up. BYU show, Whitney. Coming up. <laughs> Top five shooters to ever shoot at BYU. And the super senior, Maria Albiero, of number 17-ranked BYU women's basketball. Why is this team different and special and succeeding like never before? Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the newest Deep Blue podcast, I talk with Olympic gymnast and silver medalist Guard Young about his family legacy at BYU, coping with the end of the men's program, his time at Oklahoma, and leading the women's team now. Listen to it on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Joining us now live in the Studio Bizzle, is BYU women's basketball senior point guard Maria Albiero. We could not be more thrilled to have her. A Brasileira! <laughs> yes. Maria, welcome to the studio. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Awesome. I don't know that we've ever had a Brazilian in studio. Have we? Are you our first Brazilian, maybe? You would probably know that, right? In like right? eight or nine years? Uh, this is a, Didn't uh, you guys have his... the volleyball guy, Felipe? We had Felipe. Okay, Brazilian woman. How about that? Oh, I like You're that. You're the first. Making there you history go. over here. Felipe Gibrito Ferreira. Yeah, I had to say his name natively when I called. 
Not everyone you do that, you know? So are you okay if people are like, Maria Albiero, as opposed to Maria Albiero? I mean, yeah, I'm okay. Most people can't say it, so <laughs> <laughs> you, just got, you just got to smile. <laughs> like if we have a Korean athlete, you're going you're gonna to have to say it, you know, as, as you would in Korean, right? Well, so the last name comes first in Korean, so you have to go kind of with the English understanding. Like a pitcher for the Dodgers, yeah. Chan Ho Park. In Korean, he would be Pak Chan Ho. So you just can't do it. You have to go yeah. with the English. Well, I mean the pronunciation, not like the order per se. I'm talking like how <laughs> sure, you say it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing my best, Maria. I, I love it. I'm, okay. your best I'm is content. Good. Your best is good enough. There you go. Yes. Very there good. you go. Uh, so you've been here with us a while. It's about time we had you in studio. It's <laughs> been a minute. Five years, in yeah. fact. What yeah. What are you guys doing? Okay. <laughs> Five years. What took so long? Yet here we are in the midst of a very special season for BYU women's basketball. You're ranked number 17. I mean, this team has done all sorts of firsts under Jeff Judkins and in program history. So what's the best part about this team and what makes this team unique and special? That's a good question. Um, best part about it, I just say these people are my family to me. Like, selfishly, obviously basketball is what we're here for, but I love these people. I love going to practice. I genuinely do. It's a highlight of my day. I have fun. We work on our stuff. And I think why we're so special is because truly everyone is on the same page. Everybody has embraced their role, and they thrive with it. And everybody wants to win every single day. It makes it easy. How do you get to that point? Because every business, every young men, young women's group in the church, every uh, you know, team is seeking that. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you get to that point? Like, what did it take? Um, I think some of it is experience. I've been here for five years, and when I was a freshman, I'd like to tell you that I was just like this, but I wasn't. It takes some time. I think it helps that we have four people like that on our team. I'm going to say probably more than that, obviously. Like the uh, we super have seniors? The seniors, and then obviously Shay, Lauren, Kaylee. Um, these girls have been around, too, and have done a lot. Um, I think experience, I think that helps a lot. Just the day-to-day grind. It's easy to look ahead and be like, hey, we're really good. But when you have people that are willing to look on the day-to-day and do the little stuff, it makes it different. It, it causes that. So. And a certain amount of sort of sacrifice. Because you have to buy into this team concept. The men's team says, we have the best locker room in America. But every year when there's a turnover of about half the roster, it's hard to actually execute that, right? So yeah. do you guys ever have a chat about like, hey, you need to buy into the team. There's certain things you need to give up yeah. in order for this to succeed as the yeah. greater whole. Is that a conversation you have? Yeah, I don't know if it's like a open conversation like that, like that we sit down and talk about it, but it's everybody knows. Like mm. it's in the air. Like we know. It's in the air. That's I a like saying that. in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> People don't say that yeah, here. Yeah, no. um, it's just, and I think our coaches do a good job. I think, especially for me, like my role has changed a little bit every single year. And I didn't love it initially. Like I came here as a freshman, like every other freshman, thinking I was going to be Shaylee, but I'm not. And like, mm-hmm. and that, that's, just, that's just not how, what it is. So once you learn to embrace it and be happy about it, it's contagious. Everybody mm. does it. So I think our coaches do a good job. And I think, we try our best to buy into it and show every day that we're okay with it. Because then you feel that you're valid and important. Mm. 
So there's definitely like an unspoken, everybody knows. It's in the air. Yeah, I'm gonna it's use in that the air. One. I yeah. like that. Yeah, you two talk about in the air, and now I'm just thinking about the Phil Collins song that's playing <laughs> oh, over my head. That's like, one of in my the air tonight. That is, I, th- there's a cover that played on Cobra Kai season three at the very end that I play like every week. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Maria Alviero is with us on BYU Sports Nation, the senior point guard out of Brazil. Speaking of in the air, right now the feelings are good around the national rankings. You're number 17. How do you handle the dynamic of being a top 20 team? Because there's some pressure associated with that. So how do you handle it? Uh, I think there are a couple things about it. I think it's the first time that we're like this big. So to an extent, I still feel a little bit like we're the underdog, that people don't really know that much about us. It's like uh, they're lucky to be there. No, we're actually really good. So there's a little bit of that. And I think the other part is just like at the end of the day, we're all competitive. Like I love that stuff. Sure. Make us the target. Like if we learn to do that every day and beat those teams and make statements like we've been doing in conference, that's good. Sure. Like You see Oklahoma now at number 14, the one team that has beaten you. How do you handle the emotions of that? Knowing that you were in position yeah, to win that 100%. game at their arena. 100%. Well, you're going to lose some games. Um, we even talked about it. It's better now than later when it matters even more. But that just says, like, we lost to a team in overtime that just beat Baylor. So that, to me, is just it just makes me happy. Great for them. Like, they're a good team. So are we. We could have won. They beat Baylor. It could have been us. So, like, that's it's how va- I feel. It's validating, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay, you beat LMU by 40. Do you get bored in that game? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As you're shaking Absolutely. your head up and down. Yeah. No. Yeah. I won't get bored. It's, it's a good uh, problem, right? You guys just pull them out problem. and then yeah. you empty the bench and you can root for your teammates, I guess, right? Yeah. It's funny because Paisley and I had a conversation about that. We're like, dang, like it's our fifth year. We want to play 40 minutes a game. But then if you sit back, there are a couple of things. One, we need that for our net. It is what it is. The more... We beat teams by the better it is, and then it's important for the freshmen, the younger kids. Yeah. Like, it's important for them to play right now and get the feel and feel comfortable for next year and for when it matters this year. So I was just going to ask you, how do you stay engaged in those moments? And it feels like, from my perspective, the engagement comes from rooting on the younger players mm-hmm. that are now receiving additional experience. Yeah, it's it's like that's definitely hard. Like it's hard. Because we, you guys see stuff on social media, like we're playing around all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but man, we just, we really want to win. And we know it takes, even against teams like that or games like that, we know it takes engagement. We know it takes focus the whole time from all of us. So we know it takes that. So we do our best to do it. And it comes from cheering. Like we're happy to see the girls succeed. Like, I love our freshmen, so... Where does being Brazilian and sort of this natural flair for life, because Brazilians are awesome. I loved Brazil. Living I there love how you just described that. I love that. Like, there's a certain zest yeah. there, right? I don't even know how to say zest in Portuguese. Do you I, know? I don't really know what that means. Yeah. It's like a, <laughs> like, like a certain spice, a certain enthusiasm, right? Okay. Um, where does that come out in your style of basketball? Oh, I've never thought about that. Uh I mean, my teammates, uh, especially Tegan, always says that I'm very expressive, like with my, mm. with my hands, with my face, like my expressions that. on the court. So I think there's a little bit of that. Like it's something. It's just like you can see a lot in my face. That's mm-hmm. just kind of what it's like. Um, I think. I don't know. I, I sometimes like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can tell you. I'm just. I'm just happy to be there. I'm just running 
doing some samba here and there. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Speaking some Portuguese. Speaking some Portuguese. I love yeah. that. You break team yeah. huddles by saying final four. Mm. You do? That's cool. Yeah, we do that in practice. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about the psychology behind that. Why final four? Um, I think it's just a reminder that, hey, we can do it. And we do that because everybody believes it and we want to get out of here doing something really good. And it's just, I think it's just like, hey, like, don't forget about it. But it, there's more behind it. Like, we do the final four, but we, we also do things like, we say, put in work, we like family, sure, whatever, whatever sure. we do. So it's really more like, I don't like, I love that we say final four, but I, I think that there's just more behind it. It's just more the the action and the process, yeah. not the outcome. Mm. But everybody knows that, which is why it's fine. Like, it's the process. Well, you, it's what you do that day to get there. Yeah. And we, we're all really aware of it. We're not just saying final four like it's possible we know it's hard but it is it's a reminder it's just like hey yeah. i like that not the google translate is everything but it just translates to like enthusiasm or enthusiasm oh okay something like that yeah there you go maria great to have you in studio b thank you guys congratulations on the success thus far we look forward to an incredible rest of the season let's give you some BYU sports nation karma for the games this week good luck take care of business you can go share the karma with your friends, whatever. No, no, no. Just, just keep, keep it, it all good. yourself. Just keep it. You're good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> They've got enough. It's all good. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Thank Maria. you. Obrigado. Obrigado. Uh, coming up, today's Rise and Shoutouts. Plus, the top five shooters in BYU men's basketball history. Does Alex Barcelo crack the top five? Hey, Maria's a really good shooter. Shooting 41% from three right now. Exactly. Woo. This is BYU Sports Nation. portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the pod, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, review. How about some Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines Keep Climbing? After Jay Billis of ESPN called Alex Barcelo the best shooter in the country over the weekend, we decided to take a look back at the Top 5 shooters in BYU men's basketball history. Open the door to subjectivity. Number 5, Andy Toulson. Shot 43.7% from three, fourth in school history, 49% from three a senior year, which is the highest single season mark with a minimum of 70 makes back in 89-90. Twelfth in the record books uh, with great three-pointers made. Played 60 games in the NBA for the Jazz. Former BYU TV analyst. Number four, BYU's all-time leading scorer, Tyler Haas. 2,720 career points, averaged 19.6 a game, second in career field goal makes, first in attempts, ninth in both career three-point makes and attempts. He holds the record for most consecutive free throws made at 50, 74 career 20-point games, the most in program history. He's the top 25 scorer in NCAA history. Fun fact. Number three, best shooter in the country this year, according to Jay Billis, Alex Barcella. On pace to shatter the BYU three-point percentage record, shooting 48%, 2.4% better than second place. That's crazy. Also on pace for the highest career effective field goal percentage in BYU history. Set a record last year, 7 for 7 and threes against San Francisco. Currently three of the top 10 best three-point shooting seasons in BYU history. The Pope era is the Barcelo era, by the way. Number two, the legendary 
Danny Ainge, third on the all-time scoring list, second in points, 20.9 per game. He did so without a three-point line, by the way. Most field goals made in BYU history with 987. Hit the biggest shot in program history. Sent BYU to their only Elite Eight. There it is. Won the Wooden Award in 1981, then drafted 31st overall by the Boston Celtics. He won two NBA championships. Again, to do this without a three-point line is wild. Only reason he's drafted 31st is because they were afraid he wouldn't, uh, you know, do the MLB thing with sure. it. Otherwise, he would have been, been higher. way higher. Yeah. Number one, Jimmer Fredette. Second in career points. BYU holds the program record in three-point field goals made and attempted. Average almost 29 a game a senior year. Jimmer Mania. He's, uh, he's a legend. He's got a dance move. It's amazing. 52 points against New Mexico in this game. Incredible. Won the Naismith. Drafted 10th overall. Whenever you're feeling blue, just go ahead and pull up some Jimmer Fredette BYU highlights on I'm YouTube. always feeling blue, man. <laughs> Brigham. So amazing. Our question of the day as we cap our top five shooters in BYU men's basketball history and push it back again to BYU football. Did Cougar football overachieve the last two seasons, or do you expect 10 wins again next season? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Adam Gibby on Twitter says, with Notre Dame, Arkansas, Oregon, Baylor, and Utah State, all top 25 teams last season, plus Boise State, Wyoming, Liberty, and East Carolina, who were all bowl eligible, Anything above eight and four in the regular season would be special. Yeah, we don't call eight and four seasons special, but I see what you mean. It'd be relatively special. Yeah, did BYU maybe better this upcoming year, but their schedule is tougher. Yeah, I'd take nine and three right now, man. Today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU athletics. So apparently, Derek Stevenson had uh, one of his rings uh, or his Cotton Bowl ring stolen from his car, but the other day someone DM'd him in Portland and said they found it. And that they wanted to return it. They then returned it to him. That is wild. So that's pretty awesome because Derek was a part of uh, one of the greatest BYU teams ever. They played in uh, the only New Year's Day Bowl for BYU in, in, in uh, you know, 97 in the Cotton Bowl. Special, special season ring. And that's a cool story that he got it back. The power of social media. Wild. That's pretty cool. Our it thanks. was found in a gutter, by the way. <sighs> what? Our thanks to today's guest, Dax Millen and Maria Albiero. Sorry to Dennis. No time. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Jared Miller. Stay tuned for the Tuesday devotional on BYU TV, BYU Radio, featuring former BYU president Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, apostle for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Go Kooks! <laughs>